Come on, can we just welcome all those that are joining us? We, we are super pumped up about teaching life lessons. I, I don't think that we realize often how practical the Bible is. Yes, the Bible tells us how to have a relationship with God. The Bible talks about how to make sure that our sins have been forgiven, that we spend eternity with God in heaven. But the Bible also gives us lessons. In other words, how to live this life in the here and now. I'm so grateful for that. I'm grateful for the practical nature of the Word of God. Now, I love church. I love everything about church. I, matter of fact, my parents made me go to church as a kid. Now I like going to church, by the way. And it's interesting. I, I thought about this, and this is funny, that the, the stories told of, of ushers. By the way, we, how many of y'all appreciate at all of our locations, all the ushers, greeters? Come on. They're working hard with a smile. So, so this, this, this elderly lady walks into this church, and the usher walks up to her and Says, ma'am, I'd like to just sit you. And she goes, well, I'd like to sit on the very front row. The usher says, oh, no, ma'am. No, you don't want to do that. She goes, well, I don't want to do that. She goes, you don't understand something. Our preacher, good man, really boring. He preaches, he's just boring. And what happens is if you sit up front, you may fall asleep. Everyone will see it. You don't want to do that. Let me put you in the back. She goes, excuse me, sir. Do you know who I am? The usher says, no, ma'am, I don't. She goes, I'm actually the pastor's mother. <laughs> he said, ma'am, do you know who I am? She goes, no, I don't. She goes, God bless you. We'll see you later. But anyway, <laughs> now, by the way, my mom goes to this church, so I just want to let you all know that. So how many of y'all love church? Come on, just being in God's house. Yeah. Today, I want to talk to you out of another parable, and I want to say this as well. You do not want to miss next week. It's going to be one I've never taught on before, the parable of the fig tree. A lot of implications, end times, it's really, really, really interesting. And got a lot of feedback from last week's message on the parable of what is called the parable of the sower. It's really the parable of the soil, the parable of the heart. If you missed it, please watch the message. Today I want to talk about the parable of the talents. A talent... That word talent was a measurement or a sum of money in the time of Christ. Now, I know that we, we use the word talent in different contexts. Hey, we talk about natural gifts. Man, that person, the way they threw that ball, they are so talented. Boy, it works. Somebody that's just brilliant. They're able to put things up. Man, they are so talented. So, so we use that language, and it can, of course, mean that. But, but in the time of Christ, actually a talent was a weight or a sum of measurement related specifically to money. It's interesting when you think about, when you think about the parable of the talents, what is God after in this? We're going to talk about that today. I want to talk to you about faith today. I want to talk to you about fear. And I'm going to talk to you about finances from God's perspective. The message is really a message on stewardship. I, I remember in my walk with God early on, I remember God testing me and teaching me about my relationship with money, opportunity, and growth. Matter of fact, the truth is we all, we all have a relationship with money, opportunity, and growth. And by the way, fear and money often hang out together. 
You're going to find that out today. And you're going to find that out from the Bible. Not my opinion, but, but God's opinion. Now, what's interesting, some of you, we have so many new people in the church. There's so many new Christians. There's so many new people, all of our locations. We're so excited about that. And, and I like teaching through the Bible. Matter of fact, I may next year during Lent, there's 38 parables. Some would say 40. So I could probably do three, four, five years of this. The reality is 16, think about this, 16 of the 38 parables of Jesus actually relate to finances, stewardship, possessions, money. Why is that? Why is that? Why would Jesus, again, what are parables? They're life lessons taught by Jesus in the gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Why would Jesus... Why would he commit so much energy and time? I mean, 40% of his teachings on life lessons, why is that? Because he knows something about money. It actually represents our values and our priorities. Matter of fact, if you open up our checkbook, right? Those of you that still use checkbooks, if you open up your checkbook, it represents what you save, what you give to, what you do with your money, what you spend it on, it represents our priorities. It represents our values. The other reason why I want to talk about this parable, because if we don't understand, there's a myth out there. It's called the myth of ownership. And there's so much fights that come into marriages related to money. We've all had healthy discussions. Can I have a big amen right there? Related to why is that? Because when there's when there's when when a husband and a wife get on the same page financially, there's peace. And Jennifer and I, we've had our process, we've had our times, and yet when there's tension and strife there, can I tell you something? There's nothing that can steal peace out of a marriage more than related to financial confusion and disagreements. If you have your Bible, I'm gonna ask you to open up to Matthew 25. You guys need to buckle up today for this message. We're gonna deal with some topics. This is really, and I love, how many of y'all love the Bible? Come on, how many of y'all love God's Word? I love God's Word. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one, watch this, to one he gave five talents. That's, that's a weight or a measurement of money. Five talents to another two and to another one each according to his own ability. That's going to be important in a moment. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received five talents went and traded with them and actually made. Pastor Steve, is it appropriate as a business person to have an expectation to multiply the resources that God's given me? Is that actually biblically commendable? I'm going to show you today in the Bible it's not only commendable, it's actually encouraged. That God wants you to multiply what he's put in your hands. That God wants you to develop, yes, your natural gifts, your natural talents. Yes, the relationships, the influence, God wants you to steward over that. But God also encourages us to multiply what he's put in our hands. For context here, Jesus is teaching his disciples and he's painting a picture of the importance of stewardship. What is a steward? Now, that is a, a term that we often don't hear in our culture. Sometimes we do, but a steward, let me give it to you. Here it is. All of our locations. What is a steward? A steward is a manager. It's someone that manages something that belongs to another. So they're not an owner. 
but they're a manager. Now, this is very, very, very important that you understand this. A steward, now, they diligently should manage it, but it's actually owned by somebody else. How many of y'all remember as kids when your mom and your dad would tell you this? This is actually a biblical concept, all right? They may have not known that, but here it is. You guys ready? Here it is. You borrow a rake or you borrow the lawnmower from the neighbor. Do you remember what your parents told you as kids? Now, maybe they don't say it anymore, but let me just tell you what I heard in the 70s and 80s. Here it is. Listen, if you borrow something from somebody else, remember what your parents said, you need to bring it back, come on, say it, better than you got it. Isn't that right? Hey, Dad, I'm going to go borrow this. Oh, yeah, you can borrow it, but you better bring it back better than you got it. Do you know that's actually the concept of stewardship? You're actually bringing back to God what? Something better than he gave. What are you? You've multiplied the resources. You've multiplied the influence. You've multiplied the gifts and the natural abilities and talents. In other words, in other words when, the, when the owner comes back, are we going to give to him something better than what he first gave to us? Then we multiply it. Wow. All right, here we go. You guys ready? Everybody say yes. I'm so fired up about this. Four principles of stewardship straight from the Bible. I'm teaching verse by verse. Here we go. Number one, God owns everything. Wow. Matthew 25, 14, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country and he called his own servants and he delivered his goods to them. Again, in this parable, the goods are entrusted by the owner to the stewards and he's entrusted talents. Again, it can be extended by way of application of natural talents, natural gift, our influence. We should stewardship. We should steward all of life. Specifically, was talking about resources, but it can extend by way of application to all of life. That God owns it all, and He entrusts to us something to take care of. Hey, you know, it's interesting when you think about it. When you think about an owner and a manager. All right, here it is. The owner has all the rights. The steward has all the responsibilities. You ever thought about that? And the owner, watch this, the owner can do whatever they want. In other words, they can make demands, they can set expectations. Now the, the manager, the steward, gets to use it. It's amazing. They get to use it, they get to enjoy it, but they don't own it, but they have to be responsible for it. And if they're not responsible for it, they actually lose it. Wow. You know, our kids, we, um, when our kids got to driving age, we, you know, there was, it was like they needed to get transportation. I thought, okay, we're going to do this. I can't bring them everywhere. So, so, so we were real clear. Here's the car. If you use it, According to our prescribed boundaries, you get to enjoy it, and it's amazing. But if you don't, guess what? It gets taken away. Pastor Steve, did you ever take the car away from your kids? Absolutely. Why is that? Because I'm the owner. Because my name is on the dotted line. Come on, can I have a witness in God's house? Uh, hey, come on, parents. Now, 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 now watch this. Now watch this. Now watch this. In the same way, transfer it in this parable to God. Do you see the analogy? God's the owner, and we're the stewards. 
For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. The picture there is of Christ. He returns back to heaven with the disciples. He's coming again. And when he comes again, he's going to evaluate, did we multiply what he put in our hands? Wow. Psalms 24.1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who dwell therein. I, I, I really didn't understand this concept initially as a young believer. I'll be honest, it just, it was like, I don't get it. Matter of fact, my dad, who was a, as a lawyer, who had, he owned a business, a mediation firm. And I remember, and this was, I'll be honest, I was like, that, that doesn't even make sense. I remember as a young Christian, God owns, the, God owns my business. I'm like, God does what? I mean that. It's like, I didn't really get it conceptually. God owns your business. But now I understand as a believer in Jesus that all of life, do you know the breath of life in you is actually a gift from God. The fact that we're here is a gift from God. So when you see life from this perspective and you understand the scripture, Leviticus 25, 27 says God owns the land. Haggai 2, 8 says God owns the silver and gold. Isaiah 40, verse 15, all the nations belong to him. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, we have been bought and purchased by the blood of Christ. Even our life is not our own, the Bible says. By the way, I wonder... How much stress and how much worry is attached to the fact that we bought into the lie of ownership? Now, it doesn't mean that we don't diligently steward what belongs to someone else. Actually, we're going to bring it back better. But, but there's, a, there's a paradigm change here. God owns it all. Can y'all just say that at the count of three? God owns it all. all. All of our locations at the count of three. You guys ready? One, two, three. God owns it all. Principle number one. God owns everything. Number two, God wants us to invest wisely and generously. Matthew chapter 25, verse 15. And to one, he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. The first steward wisely used what God gave him and multiplied it. In other words, he grew it and multiplied the resources that were entrusted to him. By the way, I think this is important. This is biblical. I think we spend an inordinate amount of time and energy in comparing ourselves one to another. The Bible actually says, Paul says we're unwise when we compare. It's very clear that God gave one five, one two, and one one talent. That's okay. Doesn't mean God is mean. Can I be honest? Our race is not against our neighbor. Our race is against our own potential. And as long as you are trying to compete against somebody, no, no, no. Your, your race in life is are you faithful of multiplying what God has given you? you ever, listen, we, I'm going to say this, and I, he will not like me saying this. Pastor Alec Fisher who's our campus pastor. He's incredible at Biloxi. He can do anything. He sings. He preaches. I called him last night. I said, what are you doing? He goes, I built a shed. I'm like, I don't even know where to start. Come on, are y'all with me or not? He, I, I could tell you some other things he does. He, is, he just can do anything. How many of y'all, be honest, don't like people like that? Come on. I mean, if I lose my voice, and half the time I do, I'm in trouble. 
But that's okay. Here's the reason why. Here it is. Here it is. How many times do we spend inordinate amount of energy? They got five. They've got two. They've got one. No, no, no. Let me tell you something. Listen, whatever you've been given by God, just steward that, maximize that. And when you stand before Jesus, it's well done, thy good and faithful servant. That's it. God calls us to take responsibility for overseeing, managing, and developing the resources he's entrusted to us. You guys, those of you that have ever sat down with a financial planner, the first thing that the financial planner should do is they sit down and do what? After the niceties and how you doing, good to see how you met, all that. Well, let's talk about it, you know. So tell me, tell me right up front, what are your goals? The financial planner is asking you what your goals are. Watch this. Why is that? Because they want to make sure. In other words, are you risk averse? How how aggressive do you want to be? Here's your age. Here's some thoughts. So what are they trying to do? They want to make sure they know your goals so that they can manage your money according to the goals that you set out. Can I tell you something? In the same way, we need to find out what God's goals are so that we're managing God's money in the way that he set out. There's an expectation. Please don't miss this. Christianity is way more than just getting your sins forgiven. That's the starting point. Going to heaven, absolute. Name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, 100%. Found first base. But then the stewardship of life kicks in. God is no different than that financial planner. He has goals for our lives. And by the way, he's not keeping them from us. The closer we get to him, the more we understand them. Now, even though this is technically not a financial talk, it's really not. It's a stewardship of life talk. However, I do want to recommend uh, we've got at our church what's called Financial Peace University. It's really Dave Ramsey. Those of you who have heard of Dave Ramsey. And if you're interested in a group, I think we've had over 10,000 adults go through Crown Financial, which we did for years, and Financial Peace University, how to get out of debt, save, budgeting, all that stuff. We want to help you. It's his curriculum, but we have facilitators. If you're interested, by the way, it really helps couples. Churchoftheking.com slash FPU. Can you pull that up? So at all of our locations and those that are joining us online, we have online groups as well. We'd love to help you with that. All right. Principle number three, God holds us accountable as stewards. Look at this, Matthew 25. So there's a blessing attached to good stewardship. This is important that we understand this. There's an increase that's attached to good stewardship. It's a principle. In the same way that gravity is a law, if I jumped off the stage, I'm going to fall. There is a a principle or a law that when you're faithful with the little, watch what happens. See, he who had had received five talents came and brought back five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you now ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Look at verse 22. He who had received two talents, received less, not comparing with his neighbor, not going on Facebook. What do they have? And I don't have. No, 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 no. no. Were you faithful with what God gave you? Here it is. This is awesome. Lord, 
Here it is. He who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler now over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I want to address a couple things that I think are important as Christians. I think for us to understand scripture, the owner entrusted varying sums of money into the servant's hands before going away. Upon his return, he learned the five talents were multiplied. The two talents were multiplied. Question. And this is discussions that you hear in Christian circles. Is it a biblically honorable thing to expect increased growth and development? Does the New Testament advocate that? You ever heard that before? Well, I want to resoundingly say to you that you cannot read this parable and come away with any other conclusion other than the fact that God not only watches, honors it, but he expects us to multiply what he's given us. It's an expectation. Faithfulness and multiplying the resources that God's given us is not only commendable, it's an expectation. Christianity... If you read the Bible and if you read this parable, speaks very clearly that God expects, watch this, growth, development, and increase on investment. By the way, yes, in natural investment, and yes, of course, in investing in the natural, but also investing in the kingdom of God for spiritual impact. But I'm specifically talking about the natural investment. It's very important that we understand this. The parable commends and commands us to put what we have at risk to multiply it. And this is big. And by the way, let me tell you how the Bible spells faith. You guys ready? R-I-S-K. Because the one that had five had to invest it, and there was a risk. Now, I'm going to get to the next point in just a moment, and I'm going to show you the number one reason why people are held back for becoming what God created them to be. Risk is part and parcel of your development as a human being. You have to risk it. You have to push it out there. You've got to put yourself in uncomfortable situations. You've got, to, you've got to risk what? You've got to push it out there because if it stays at home, it can't ever grow. I had a, I had a teacher who was incredible, probably my best teacher at Tulane University. And I want to say this because his family may be watching. And he was incredible. And I got to tell you, he taught a biblical principle. Now, I say this respectfully. I don't know if he was, knew it was, but it, it was. Okay? And his name was Bo. And I took the prerequisites to go into business school. I ended up getting a liberal arts degree, which meant nothing. <laughs> Thank God I've got a decent personality. Can I have a big amen? Okay, sorry. That's another, that's another message. How God redeems it all. But okay, here we go. <laughs> so... I took all my prerequisites in financial accounting, managerial accounting, economics, all these different things. And I'll never forget walking into financial management class, prerequisite to get in the business school, and the guy's name was Bo. Incredible. Best teacher I ever had at Tulane. And here's what he said. And I say this respectfully, okay? 
He looked like, it's incredible, very strong New Orleans accent, looked like Dom DeLuise for the elder, you know, people in our church. And he, and I say this respectfully, he smoked Virginia Slim cigarettes. And I don't, I cannot remember when I was putting the message, I cannot remember if he actually smoked them in the building. I actually think he did. I don't even know how they did that or they allowed that. But nonetheless, he actually, he held them though. If, if it wasn't on fire, they were in hand still. Is that okay? Can, can I say that? Now, remember, I qualify. He was amazing. Great teacher. If, 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 you're, if the relatives are watching, your dad was amazing. Okay. But this is how the class started. You guys ready? We walk in and he walks in. He had a hat. He took it off and he said, welcome to financial accounting, Tulane University. The name is Bo. We're going to have a good semester. Don't forget this. You ready? How many of y'all remember Virginia Slims? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> you guys ready? Here it is. Here it is. You guys ready? He goes, degraded a risk, degraded a reward. Did you hear that? We're like, he goes, I said degraded a risk. <laughs> Degraded a reward. Welcome to financial accounting. Open up to page one. <laughs> that is a biblical concept. The scriptures advocate and spell out very clearly, you've got to be willing to put it at risk. In the same way, the owner in the parable came back to see what his servants did. You and I, at one moment, are going to stand before the Lord. He's going to want to know. And he's a good God, but, but he wants to know. Romans chapter 14, verse 12. See, then each of you will give an account, interesting term, account, accounting of what? Ourselves to God. What do we do with the resources? And it extends by way of application. What do we do with the relationships? What do we do with the influence? What do we do with the natural gifts? And it applies there, the natural gifts and talents. What do we do with, what do we do with what? What did we do with everything that God gave us? Did we multiply it for impact? Yeah. Number four, last point. God requires action. Look at verse 24. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. First of all, they had a wrong concept of God. Uh, let me help everybody here. I want to help everybody, every location. God is for you and not against you. The Bible actually says that. If God is for me, who can be? Romans chapter, in chapter 8, verse 31. God is for you. The Holy Spirit is called the helper. Who's he helping? You and me. When you open up the Bible, God is for you. He's not against you. God's trying to bless you. God's trying to help you. In other words, your concept of God needs to change. God's a good father. 
If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly Father want to give the Holy Spirit to those that ask? Yeah. Everybody say good gifts. His concept of God was off. Reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. And I was, here it is. The number one thing that keeps us back, watch this, from good stewardship. I was afraid. And I, and I went and I, and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, look, you, you've got what you at least gave me. What a difference. What a difference between the first servant multiplied it. What a difference between the second servants multiplied. But the third one said, and by the way, you've got to see this because I want to say this to every location. But here's my question. What is standing on the other side of your fear? You're on this side. Fears, remember when I said fear and money hang out, fear and fear and a lot of things hang out. Fear and opportunity hang out. Fear and all kind of things. And, and we're on this side. And here's what he said. He said, I was, I was afraid. You know what I did? So I hid. By the way, that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, they heard the voice of God at the cool of the day. I was scared. I was naked. I was, so I hid. Don't. I want to say this to everyone. I just feel such an urgency to say this. What? Are you being held back from because of fear? Because of fear. I said it was fear. I, 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 I went and hit it. And, and my question is, how many people are missing out on, on the big life on the other side of fear? The new relationship that God has for you. How about starting a small group? The business that God has put in your heart. I know as a little kid, you saw your dad in business, and, and I know what happened, and maybe it didn't turn out good, but God's hands on your life. You can't let the pain of somebody else, family member, keep you back from what God has for your life. You can't let the divorce or the addiction cause you to not get married because you think, well, I know they all end up. No, God has something good for you. You got to believe that. get immobilized by fear. God, I, I was scared. I, 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 I'll give you back. Just notice this. God, I'll give you back just what you gave me. He says, that's not good. You should have just invested it, risked it. It's a risk. Every time God speaks to you, it's a risk. I'll never forget when God told us to build the Little Creek campus and we picked a great time right in the middle of a recession. That was fantastic timing. We started right before it, but and I remember this guy came up to me, and I say this very respectfully in the fear of the Lord, and I don't like using myself as an example. I really don't, but I, in this context, but I remember him saying, this guy, he doesn't go to our church. He goes, man, what are you doing? That is just crazy. And I said, we've got elders and a board. I'm like, not the only person here, you know. I said, well, I feel like God's told us to move forward and to build, to build a building. And, um, and I remember what he said. He goes, boy, that's a big risk. Can I tell you something? If God told you to do it, you better go with that big risk. Because on the other side of that is a big blessing. A lot of people can enjoy the presence of God. How many are grateful for that? Are you with me? So here's my question. Here's my question. 
Where is fear holding you back? Watch this. That other people are not able to step into what they have for their life. It's not about me. It's about, this is about you. It's about all of us. We all have to wake up each day. Are we multiplying? And, and it's interesting. I, I was speaking one time at this thing, and this guy said to me, he goes, man, how did you end up doing it? And I said, can I tell you, I didn't end up talking to thousands of people. I started talking to six or eight high school kids. You don't start there. You start here. By the way, if you don't ever, go, if you don't ever start there, you never end up going there, whatever there is. Does that make sense? Everybody say faithfulness. Remember what he said? He said, you've been this, I'm going to do this. You do this, I'm going to do this. Why? It's a kingdom principle. Just like if I jumped off here, I'm going to fall. Can I tell you something? If you manage it and steward it well, it grows. It multiplies what? Everything in life. What happens if we lose it? It all belongs to God. He'll give it back. You'll grow it more. Does that make sense? So I'll end with this. Where is fear holding you back? And you're hiding. Fear always hides. Faith always advances. Fear always hides. Faith always. Where have you been hiding when God called you to advance? I'm going to ask you that morning. Where are you hiding? In a relationship? In a habit? In, a, in an unwillingness to stop? Fear always hides. Faith advances. God wants us to be a people of faith. Come on, y'all receive that word today. God wants us. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. All of our locations, those that are joining us online, and I just want to pray with you right now. If you do not know Christ, the first step to becoming the person God created you to be is to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And that's the first step. My question is, do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I can't save you. Church of the King can't save you. I tell you who can. His name is Jesus. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, at the count of three, I'm just going to ask for a show of hands. Pastor, pray for me. I need the blood of Christ to wash me, to cleanse me. I want to surrender my heart to Christ. If that's you, one, two, three. Quickly hold your hand up high so I can see it. God bless you, sir. God bless you as well. God bless you and you. God bless you guys. God bless you right there. Anybody else? God bless you, sir. Anybody else, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. This is awesome. God bless you up top, sir. God bless you, my friend. God bless you, ma'am, right there. Yeah. Church, can we pray with those that are trusting Christ right now? The first step, the first step to not only knowing God, but ultimately becoming as well the person that God's created you to be is surrendering to Jesus as your Savior. Let's pray with them. Can we do that, church family, all across our campuses right now? Let's pray. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today. A sinner in need of a Savior. Say this. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put it in your hands. From this day forward, I belong to you. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. Wow, what an amazing message. If there's anything from the message that really impacted you today, why don't you go ahead and share that with us in the chat right now. 
Or if you're here today and maybe you made a decision to follow Christ for the first time, or you're even rededicating your life to Jesus right now in this moment, uh, we wanna celebrate with you. That's a huge deal and we're so excited for you. Yes, and the Bible says that you are made new in Christ today. So we are super excited to do this journey with you of following Jesus. In fact, if you are making that decision today, why don't you go ahead and just share some of your story with one of our hosts in the chat right now. Or you can text DECISION to 822-822, and we'd love to just send you some resources that'll help you walk out this new life with Christ. Yes, and next week, we'll be continuing this series called Parables, Life Lessons from Jesus, where Jesus used all sorts of stories to teach life lessons. And we can use these lessons in our everyday lives today. So we'll see you next week, same time. Same place. Love you guys. Have a great rest of your week.